Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place to discover what is possible for your life after the loss of a loved one, and where you will find inspiration, insight, support, and love, and hopefully a bit of laughter to help you through the day. Now here's your host, Nada Hogan. Welcome to Dare a New Belief, where you will find light and life, love and joy, healing, faith, and hope, a place where you get to believe what is possible for your life. And today I have the great honor to have with me Lisa Luckett. And I have to tell you that as I'm speaking, just saying her name and getting ready to read uh, Lisa's intro, my heart is just swelling and I can feel myself being on the brink of tears because we truly have made such a wonderful, heartfelt connection. And um, I am just kind of overflowing with gratitude and emotion and love because I truly believe there's only one thing ever happening and it's infinite intelligence. And this was a divine meeting with Lisa and I'm so honored. Lisa Luckett is a social visionary an activist for kindness, and an advocate of gaining wisdom by experiencing life head on. Her mantra, Choose Courage, is the foundation for her social vision, reminding us that we are strong, resilient, and have a choice in how we live our lives. Just that is so encompassing of you, Lisa. I just love this piece, but I want the listeners to know even more. Lisa is also an entrepreneur, a speaker, author, and mother of three young adults. As a 9-11 widow, single mother, and breast cancer survivor, she knows the values of life struggles and sees the light or silver lining in every situation. She recognizes that life's lessons and grace lie within the struggle. Oh my God, just your introduction. If I never met you, I would have fallen in love with you with that. So Lisa, welcome. I'm so grateful to have you here. Oh, Nada, my smile is like ear to ear. You're so great. Thank you for having me. I'm flattered and honored. Oh, oh, trust me. It's so mutual because it is. This is such a divine, such a divine meeting. And we can go off for hours, which we know, talking about everything, but the subject that we want to talk about. So Lisa, if you would, because this podcast is really about finding that light and life. And this sentence on where you recognize that life's lessons and grace lie within the struggle. I mean, that's so poetic. And just what does that mean to you, that it lies within the struggle? Well, it's, it's some, so interesting since I wrote that. It's always interesting to hear it being read back. Um, the way I see that now is that I would say that life is our classroom and the struggles are the lessons. And that is different than I think a lot of us really have been shown or taught. You know, I think people think they need to be happy all the time. And the truth is that's elusive. You're never going to be happy all the time. So maybe we're setting ourselves up for disappointment from the get-go. Instead, maybe if we say, wait a second, we are not actually here to be happy. We're actually here to struggle because it's within the struggle, the lessons that the lessons lie. And the happiness is what comes in between them in the sense of being relieved of the pressure or whatever the pain or whatever the experience is of that particular struggle or struggles. But it's also the incredible elation that comes when we learn something, 
when we get that aha moment and we say, oh, wait a minute, that's why that happened. And we can't do that until we reframe what struggle is. So in my evolution, as you and I know, it's really now about instead of looking at what happens to us and saying, oh my gosh, why did this happen to me? We shift around instead and say, wait a minute, why is this happening for me? What am I being shown? What am I supposed to learn? And we actually lean into the struggle right. instead of being in this defensive posture where we're reacting we're actually offensively saying, you know, okay, bring right. it on. Right. Oh God. And I love that. I love that because it's true because it is in that struggle that we get to, in my opinion, that's where we get to see our full capabilities, our full potential of what it is that we are able to do and, and who we become because of that struggle. Absolutely. I mean, well, you and I have two very extreme black and white examples of that in losing Dara and losing my husband, Teddy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But struggles are every day. A struggle can be failing a test. It can be, you know, um, crashing a car. It can be something that didn't, doesn't require a death of a loved one right. to also to throw us off though. I mean, you can get into the mindset of victimization and then everything is happening to you. Right. And you, and that's kind of where we are as a culture right now. We are highly victimized. We are very, very, very reactive. We are not seeing how much we have. We're instead focused on what we don't have when in fact we really right. have everything. Yep. We live on this beautiful planet that's perfect. Yeah. You know, um, certainly people are struggling, but for the most part, the American population is pretty lucky. You know, we're pretty good. Most people have food on the table and of course there's those who don't and we need to help them. But but the truth is if you listen to the news media and you listen to our leadership, the divisiveness and the hate that's being propagated and the fear that's constantly being conjured and, and pushed all for the, in the name of ratings. And it's because we've become addicted to our fear right? and addicted to the feelings um, that without them, now we've been in such a habit of them, in my opinion, since 9-11, and there's a reason I can explain that, that in my opinion, if you take that fear away, it leaves a void. Yeah. And we might actually have to be with ourselves <laughs> for a minute. Right. And for so many people, that is the scariest thing in the world, that you would have to actually be with yourself and actually maybe go inside of you and discover part of you. It's the scariest thing for so many people in this world. And one of the things that you said that is so true. And I just learned about this probably two, maybe three years ago about how we get emotionally, literally the body emotionally addicted to fear or anxiety or worry or doubt, whatever that happens to be that thing. And, and you just brought that up, how we just get addicted to this fear. And I think we look for it everywhere. Everything in your life can be going so wonderfully and you will look for that one thing. You will miss the whole entire beautiful garden and you will find that one weed, that thing that's going to cause that fear, that's disrupt in your life because we, we're programmed to look for that because we want to stay out of, out of danger, out of harm's way and be as safe as we can be. But it's so addictive. What the hell do you do with it if you're not in this place of fear? Right. And we are creatures of habit. Oh, and it's, it's not an easy thing to ask people to shift. Right, yeah. You know, part of it is, you know, and you and I know that pain is the motivator. Yeah, yeah. Right, so really big trauma 
or any, any pain is an opener. Yeah. And it's within that opening where the opportunity to receive is yeah. and the opportunity to grow personally. So for me, and clearly for you, 9-11 and uh, Dara's death were catalysts for enormous emotional growth. Right. And there's a new term, PSG, uh, sorry, PTG, post-traumatic growth. Yes. So we all talk about PTSD, but of course we don't hear about PTG, but that's what most people actually have. Most people do better after they've learned. You know, we hear about all the sadness and everything, but the truth is most people do carry remarkable trauma with incredible grace. Right. Oh, and I love this. So you and I have had synchronicity after synchronicity after synchronicity. And this one, PTG, I only heard that one time before and it was on a podcast. It was the first time I had ever spoken with this gentleman. He did positive psychology and it was like, what? I have never heard of that before. So you're the second person who brought that in and I just love this kind of stuff. So post-traumatic growth, can you tell us a little bit and from your perspective, because you are a widow from 9-11. So can you tie those two together? Well, that could take years, but, but you, <laughs> um, can you just tell us? No, I can. I mean, I can try to do it concisely. And in the sense that, let me back up, because part of this conversation has to be that we need to, as human beings, here as spiritual entities having a yes. physical experience. Remember that we are yes. here to learn. If we are in fact in the classroom of life and struggles are our lessons, then each time we're given an experience, we theoretically should be growing from it. So if you look at everything that's happened in your life in a new way through this new lens and you pull yourself up to 10,000 feet so that you're out of the emotion of it and you look at, wait a minute, that happened and that happened and therefore I was that much better when that happened. Right. Yep. And I'll explain it like this. I was actually prepared for 9-11 because my husband walked down in the first bombing in February of 1993. Um, his offices were at the top of the North Tower and the 105th floor of the first building that was hit, the one with the antenna on it. Mm. The first explosion, it took him four and a half hours to walk out. He was covered in soot when he got home, even though there was no smoke outside of the buildings because it was contained, but there was still a lot of smoke from that explosion. Our culture blew it off. The buildings were still standing. Nobody could see a problem. Okay, no big deal. Yeah. Month or two later, everybody went back into the buildings, brushed their hands off. Okay, we're done. Six months for me, six months later, I was at a, a dinner party that summer. It was February, so it was midsummer. And someone brought up the idea of what should we do with the terrorists? And I flipped out. Mm. And I was so, I mean, mind blown about how close Ted had come to being killed. The fact that he had been targeted for murder. The fact that nobody was doing anything about it. the rage, these terrorists, who are these people, blah, blah, blah. And everybody laughed at me, oh, literally laughed no. at me because they were like, whatever, like you're totally overreacting. Oh my God. All right. So that was my first experience with terrorism. Wow. And, but the rest of the world just blew it off because we're Americans and we, there's a reason for that too. So we think we're better and you know, nothing's going to touch us. So the second piece was that my husband's mother who was very worried about him because she was a worry wart and a bit of a sadist and a bit of a masochist, um, told me every time she saw me or saw him that he was going to die of a heart attack. God. So, you know, I had babies. She would do this the whole time we were married. And 
We were married almost 11 years. So I would run his death through my mind over and over and over and over and over again because I was already pretty crazy. And that just fed into my crazy. Yeah. And so I literally imagined his death. And one of the points of this is that we as humans have these unbelievably powerful imaginations. Yes. And I am here to attest that we can get ourselves just as worked up over fear of the event as the event itself. In fact, we can actually make it worse. Yes. Yes. Right? So because you never see the grace and the beauty that comes with it, which is another part of this conversation. But for this point, which is that your life is, is always preparing you for your life. Yeah. Because of those two situations. And I was a nursing mother of a four-month-old baby. Mm. So I was fortified by nature. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mama lion. Yeah. So by 11 o'clock in the morning, after, right, you know, right after the buildings had fallen and my house was full of people, I was fine. I was calm. I was very clear. I had this heightened sense of awareness. It's like I, because I was prepared in this way, I had already experienced it. My experience taught me through the ter terrorism and the preparation around his death. I was literally 10 feet back from the edge where everyone else was standing, teetering into the abyss. I was back firmly planted in this offensive position, more like a weeble that I wobbled, but I didn't fall down. It didn't take me down. And that's where we all are if we choose to see our life experiences are preparing us for whatever is coming next. Yeah. Yeah. So I always say that there's something beautiful that comes up because I do believe we live so much like contrast, up, down, left, right, east, west, cold, hot, and something beautiful comes out of the things that are so painful. And I'm just thinking, not even the terrorist attack in 93, but to have a mother-in-law who was always saying to you, you know, that your husband's going to die. And, oh my, I just can't even imagine what that would feel like to be in that place in your mind and in your heart and trying to wrap your head around that. And knowing that that was what was being said to you, how even when it's happening, there's nothing beautiful about that while it's happening. But the flip side of that is, the opposite of that is, is that that was absolutely into the preparedness right? It, yeah. it absolutely oh, yeah. prepared you for that thing. So the things that we, that are so devastating and knock us off of our feet and out of our head sometimes are just such beautiful blessings. If we can know on the other side of that, the way I say it is there's always a blessing that comes from that horrible event, that trauma, that tragedy. There's always a blessing. It's just not in our awareness right now. I mean, it's just so, I don't want to say it's beautiful, it, but it, it's just... God, I mean, what, what hard ass core preparation for you to then live your life right into 9-11. And I mean, I, I just, well, I think there's the point is that when you were saying that what it, people have to remember is it doesn't come in a linear fashion. Yeah. Just because I was prepared in this way, doesn't mean I'm the outcome that I would expect is going to happen. It's the same as if a daughter is killed in a horrible accident and a son recovers from a drug addiction. Yeah. That's a silver lining. These are the what I call the twisted gifts. Mm. They're the twisted gifts of this kind of preparation. I'm not saying they're good. Yeah. Nobody wants to go through these things, but guess what? They happen. They happen to all of us because that's why we're here. Yeah. So again, if we back up and we say, wait a minute, why are we here? Right? The, the age-old question of humanity, why are, what is our purpose? Why are we here? Yeah. Well, I happen to really believe that we are, again, Spiritual entities having a physical experience. Completely. Because we had, you mentioned it exactly, we came to planet Earth for contrast, yeah. 
for good and bad, for you know, good and evil and black and white. On the other side, in the infinite knowledge, in you know, the the fifth dimension energetic realm, it's only beauty and grace. Yeah. There's no way to learn when it's all good. Right. <laughs> we gotta come down here into the trenches. Yeah. Duke it out and figure out what's going on. Yeah. And so our souls are, are in fact infinite. We are infinite forever. I mean, it's being taught in religions for years. I know personally, my experience is that of, and I believe yours is too, because when you go through the traumas like you and I have in this window of time, in this energetic time that we are living in, we're in a transitional period in within humanity right now. Yeah. So we in these gifts opened up and all of a sudden the logic of, a higher power that isn't us, the infinite knowledge all starts to make sense without the shame, the punishment, the punitive, the hells, the scarcities, the fears that have been propagated through organized religion Yeah, to keep the masses in check, right? That's how yep, yep. We, we kept control. Well, maybe we don't really need control that way anymore because 2000 years have passed since the Bible, for example, you know, in this example, and what have we done as humanity in 2000 years? We've done a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're allowed to take another step into a new direction. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know when we were talking before, because it was one of the things that had come up in these deep conversations that we have, because we just don't have, there is not anything on the surface on, in our conversations. And when we were talking about this before and talking about these 2000 years that have happened, that the, the two things that keep coming up is we're still worrying about God and sex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just like. And we are still very primal. We are very, still much yes. in our reptilian mind. Yes. And, and the idea that we think we're so evolved is really kind of funny. Yeah. And, you know, we, well, you and I are, have touched, would anyone, in, would anyone who has touched the enlightenment of today, which is the idea that you can actually walk away from the limiting beliefs that were taught to you by your parents and your grandparents and prior society to now, that you're actually allowed to think in this new way. What we're really reaching for is sage. Yeah. So what we're becoming is the sage mind. We're becoming Yoda. We're becoming that wise, thoughtful, dimensionally deep counsel. Yeah. The joke is that everything's so there now and they're not. Until you literally get that ego under control and you realize that you are in control of nothing, you know, that we are n not these all knowing, all power control, you know, we're, we really, the universe is in control of our experience. We can decide how we play it yeah. to a degree, yeah. right? Yeah. But, you know, no one really knows what's coming. We all know that. And, you know, the, the sooner we learn, it's when, you know, as soon as I learned about surrendering and letting go, and just following what was being shown to me on my path. And if my ego said, oh, no, I don't want to do that, but it showed up for me and it was in alignment with what I think, I have to push through the ego and say, I'm doing it anyway. Right. Because on the other side of that discomfort, of that pushback, that opposition of fear brought on by fear, because our egos are our protection. Yeah. And they're not sage. <laughs> they're damaged, usually from damage. You know, our, our egos, in our, especially in the American culture, are pretty twisted at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's so, it's so amazing. Oh, I just had a, a profound question that I wanted to ask you and it just completely slipped my yes, it'll mind. Come. Oh. It'll come. Oh, man. So how did you reach the, how did you reach your evolution of enlightenment where you're at right now 
from the events that happened from 9-11. And I find it because when you and I had spoke first, and I was sharing with you that for me, I was teetering on that abyss, that I didn't, that I knew, I was so consciously aware that all it took was one misstep and I would go over and I would not come back. And for you to be able to be this, and I love the um, Weeble, I love that, that you were able to stand back 10 feet and to see everybody else right there on the edge of the abyss. And yet you weren't there. And from there, I mean, I know there's many facets to this, but where did the enlightenment, like the real true enlightenment, like, oh my God, I see all of this so differently. Where did that come from? And how long, I would imagine parts of it maybe before 9-11, but where was that huge transition for your transformation for you? Be sure to join in next week when Lisa and I dive in deeper into this conversation. Lisa will share with us her evolution of enlightenment, and we will circle back and tie up the loose ends on the ego being damaged. Enjoy the rest of your blessed day and take one action step today into your epic life. See you next week. Thank you for spending time with us today. Please go to nadahogan.com for show notes and other information that you can use right away. If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to rate and review right there on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.